Cadillac Bill's 665G digs. Office costs more than other X's combined. The story inside explained that the rental cost of the Carnegie Tower office space would exceed what the federal government's real estate arm, the General Services Administration, was paying for the offices of Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, Ronald Reagan, and George Herbert Walker Bush, which altogether amounted to less than $625,000 a year. Although sources familiar with the lease negotiations between the federal agency and Rockrose whispered that the price was actually a steal at $80 per square foot, when the going rate in that class of Manhattan building ran closer to $100, that argument sank beneath a torrent of outrage. At first, the chairman of the House Appropriations Subcommittee that oversees funding for former presidents, a hardcore ultra-conservative Republican representative from Oklahoma named Ernest Istook, responded rather mildly to the post-exposé. If the former president chooses to have his office in his newfound state rather than his home of fifty years, that is his prerogative, said Istook. But, obviously, it's going to cost the taxpayers a lot more money. Taxpayer and public interest groups across the ideological spectrum swiftly condemned the proposed lease as an unjustified extravagance, demonstrating how little residual goodwill toward Clinton remained. The Cadillac headline quoted a quip from the president of the National Taxpayers' Union. Expanding on the same theme, Thomas Schatz, president of the conservative Citizens Against Government Waste, said, The Clintons have always treated public money with a sense of entitlement, but this takes the cake. Once again, Mr. Clinton has displayed his narcissism, his spendthrift habits, and willingness to squeeze the maximum benefit out of every loophole. Then, Charles Lewis, executive director of the liberal Center for Public Integrity, chimed in with a reminder of Clinton's waning popularity. After his pardons and his gifts, said Lewis, I think we should give him a pup tent in Central Park. A spokesman for the Congressional Accountability Project, founded by consumer advocate and 2000 presidential protest candidate Ralph Nader, eagerly joined the chorus of disapproval. There's no question that it's arrogant. It's a slap at the taxpayers. It shows tremendous disrespect for the taxpayers. In Clinton's adopted hometown, the Carnegie Tower story provoked snark and snobbish gossip, if not so much fiscal indignation. As a Manhattan real estate broker told the New York Observer, that building fits him like a glove. It's a building for currently successful scoundrels. You have to have the money, but it's not really high class. Emboldened by this broad upwelling of public anger, Istook announced that he would oppose the Carnegie Tower lease and sent a letter to GSA officials warning that they would be extremely unwise to proceed. Congress appropriated every penny that former President Clinton asked for his transitional expense, and in specific, the rental expense at a rate equivalent to $228,000 for his office space, he wrote. Unfortunately, we're being told now that the former president wants to spend about three times as much as he asked for, and as we budgeted and appropriated for the purpose. The weakness of Clinton's position could be gauged by the response of Jake Seward, the last of his presidential press secretaries, who had stepped temporarily into the breach at Band's request to mount a defense. This president should not have to pay some penalty because he chose to live in New York. Every New Yorker knows it's expensive to live here, but it's worth it, he said. We'll work with the money that government appropriates for us. Affable but sharp, even Seward, who privately bemoaned the handling of Clinton's early post-presidency, didn't find Carnegie Tower easy to justify.
By that point, neither did Karen Tremontano, whose efforts to secure the luxury space seemed to be doing her boss far more harm than good. Seeing pictures of the dark glass skyscraper in the press and on television, over and over again, had begun to make her feel physically ill. Acting to put the gifts controversy behind them, the Clintons decided to personally pay for the furniture and other presents, mostly from personal friends that they had taken with them from the White House. Contrary to the screaming headlines, tut-tutting editorials, and lacerating columns, the fact was that nearly all of the gifts had been donated during the course of Clinton's eight years in office rather than during 2000. Most of the financial value of the gifts was accounted for by two Dale Chihuly glass sculptures, one donated by the acclaimed artist himself, and another given by the president's Georgetown classmates. In short, there was no substantive ethical issue, just a poisonous cloud of misinterpretation.